I've told you before, but I'm in a men's group. We meet every Tuesday, and my life is better because of it. We're just we're going through a book now and just growing together and growing closer to Jesus and holding each other accountable and texting throughout the week and praying for one another and their families and our kids. And, and uh, if you're not in a group, I want to encourage you. We, do, we, do, we celebrate in rows, shoulder to shoulder, but we do life in circles. We get together, do life together, encourage one another. And so we're going into a new season. If you go on our webpage, you can find groups that are open, and we'd love to plug you in and help you find a group. If for some reason you can't navigate through the system and you need some help, just call us, let us know, and we'll have somebody walk you through that. All right? And then also, before we get into the Bible tonight, we have a bylaws meeting. Our lawyer suggested that we change some language in our bylaws to help us do ministry in an ever-changing culture. So we want, to, we want to make that make you aware of that. And then also to separate the preschool from the church legally. So it's still under our ministry, obviously, but legally to be separated to, to help us in case of some kind of litigation in that. And then also I wanted to, one more thing, I wanted to just let you know Clover Hill Worship is bringing out a new song called I'll Bring It All. We've sung it a few times, but it's available. It will be available on May 5th, 6th. Uh, anybody know? Yes, 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 may fix. That's like, that's like, I went, <laughs> I went huh? Is it today? It's just out today. Have you ever went, I went to a restaurant last night and, and I like, I like dessert. Don't, do you like, you guys like dessert? And they said, you want carrot cake or key lime pie? And I said, yes, yes, take both. So that song comes out. I don't even know why I said that, but that song comes out and I want to encourage you to, da- there's something about music that's created in your house by your people that's like, it's got a, it's, it's just for us. I mean, it's not for us. It's going to spread, but it, 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 it has our heart and our heartbeat. And you download it, Clover Hill Worship. You can go to it and be praying that, that God will use that to really make a difference. Eric, even this week, Eric is our worship pastor. He is in Dallas at the upper room where they, they have services three or four nights a week where they just, it's just a saturating presence of the Lord. And I've got word back. He's so excited, so filled up. He can't wait to get back and share it with us. But this is one of our songs. And then today I want to continue in a series called No Compromise. And the reason is, is because we live in a culture whose greatest desire is to change you. You got to know this. The culture wants to change you and it's not a secret. But God wants to transform you. And here's what you can do. You can either be changed by the culture or you can change the culture. And I want us to be culture changers. And it's just like in the book of Daniel where Daniel was faced with this. Daniel was a Hebrew boy that grew up in Israel who grew up fearing God, had an understanding of the law, had an understanding of one true God. And he was, when he was 16 years old, the Babylonians took his people into captivity And so the Babylonian king at that time was named Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar said, I want the top kids. I want the ones with the best looking, the most potential, the smartest, the brightest. Bring them into my court, and I'm going to indoctrinate them for three years. I'm going to take three years to teach them the Babylonian ways. They're going to know our values. They're going to know our culture. You know what culture is? Culture is how a, how a segment or a, a group of people, how they act, how, what they value, what they're like. So, like, there's a youth culture. The youth culture dresses different than my culture. It's, they, they talk different. They, they look different. There's a, just for illustration, maybe there's a drug culture. The people in that, that there's, just, there's just different. They, there is a secular culture. 
And that's what, that's what the culture has went to. It's went to a secular culture. Secular culture means we're going to do life without God. We're going we're gonna to educate without God. We're going to govern without God. We're going to prosper without God. We don't want God in our society. It's a secular culture. That's how this Babylonian king was trying to convince Daniel, trying to infiltrate him, try to indoctrinate him, reprogram, reprioritize. We don't want you living like that anymore. We want you living like this. That's why Paul said, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, of this culture, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There is a desire by the world to, to conform you into its image. You can conform cult to culture or you can change culture. And Daniel changed it. And I want to talk about how he did it this morning. And, and we'll pick up in Daniel chapter 6, verse 1. Darius is now the king. Daniel, Daniel lived in Babylon for years. I mean, that, that I read he lived, to 108, he lived to 110. And at this time, he's 80 years old. So he's already been through two other kings. This is his third king. He served him well. He's lived well. And this is what happened. Darius wanted to set over the kingdom 120 satraps. And just for our understanding, we'll call them mayors. He divides his kingdom. He gets 120 guys to, to oversee particular regions, areas in his kingdom to be, and they'll, they'll oversee the whole kingdom. But then over these, over these 120, I'm going to get three governors of whom Daniel was one of them. So Daniel was brought, you got, this is very important. He was brought from this Hebrew culture, brought into the Babylonian culture, but didn't, wasn't conformed to the culture. And he has been elevated from many to 120 to now the top three. And Daniel was, was given, he, the king said, if Daniel's overcharged, he'll give an account for them. He'll oversee them, and my kingdom won't suffer loss. I know if Daniel's overseeing it, things are going to be taken care of. I know if Daniel's overseeing it, then everything's going to be all right. I'm going to, I'm going to give up control. I'm going to give authority to a Hebrew kid. He's come, I, I've said it enough, but this, it's important of where he's coming from. And then listen to what this says. Then Daniel distinguished himself. He set himself apart. He, 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 was, he was honored above others. Why? And I want you to know this. God wants to distinguish you. God wants to bless you. God wants to promote you. God, here's, God wants you to have a voice in culture. He, get, he wants to get you around the table of influence. He wants to get you to a place where you can, where you can be a, a leader in culture. And no matter what your profession is, no matter what your age is, in your pocket, in your area, in your, in your lane, he wants to promote you to such a place where your voice matters. He told the children of Israel, he said, hey, guys, if you'll bless me, if you'll obey me, I'll bless you. I'll honor you. If you'll, if you'll walk after me, you'll always be the head and not the tail. You'll always be on top, not beneath. You'll always have a position of influence. Your voice will always matter. I'll make room for your gift. If you'll serve me, if you'll live for me, if you'll honor me, I'll get you into a position where you can, where you can be blessed and you can be a blessing. See, anytime God wants to elevate and promote, it's for your good, but ultimately it's for his glory. He wants to receive glory from it. He wants you to be blessed so you can be a blessing. He did it for Israel. He did it for Daniel. Daniel distinguished himself. The cream rose to the top. The, the gifts and the... He was gifted. He was, he, was, he was special. There was something on him. 
But here's what was key about him. He distinguished himself above everybody else because of an excellent spirit. He had an excellent spirit. He, had, he, he wanted to do things right. When he had an excellent spirit, that means that, that he was diligent. He was hardworking. Nobody had to come behind him. His boss wasn't looking over his shoulder. He didn't have to double check his timesheet. Daniel was diligent. Daniel was, he was proactive. He saw things that needed before, to be done before he was asked to do them. He was dependable. He was going to show up on time. He was reliable. He was trustworthy. He was going to, he took pride in his work. He took, he took, he, he, it mattered to him. He was, he was detailed. He gave attention to the small things. He crossed every T. He dotted every I. He, he was intentional about doing things and doing things well. And because of an excellent spirit, he was elevated out of 120 and became one of the top three. When my kids were, were, were younger, uh, 10, 12 years old, they were just bugging me to death for money just all the time. They were nickel and diming me for death. They wanted sprites everywhere we went. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not buying you any more sprites. I'm not doing that. If you want money, you know where you go when you want money? You go to work. And so we got them cutting grass. I mean, they were so young, they couldn't even hold the top bar. They were at the second bar looking through the two bars to cut grass. And, and, and we got them out there, and we started going. And I said, okay, look, we're going to do this. You're going to make some money. This is going to be good. I'm thinking, I'm not buying any more Sprites. I'm not, I'm not doing it. When you go up to that door, you knock on it. You ring the doorbell. Pull your britches up. Get your hat straight. When they come to the door, look them in the eye. Look them straight in the eye. If it's a man, shake his hand. Not with some wimpy, wet noodle, fishy, sissy, wussy handshake. Shake the man's hand. Look him in the eye. If it's a woman, already know what you're going to charge him. When you say, hey, sir, I'm part of Grant Brothers. We are the best grass cutters in the neighborhood. If you'll let us cut your grass, we're going to charge this amount. You don't, need to, you don't need to be going, I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. What do you think? No, don't do that. You be ready to go. And if they say yes, don't show too much excitement because you get, you get yeses all the time. They just got to know that. And if they get no, you get a no, don't be discouraged because they're going to see everybody else's yard you're cutting and they're going to want you eventually. You just do everything and go above and beyond. Tyler, pick up the trash. Zach, pull some weeds. They're not paying us to pull weeds. I don't care what they're paying you to do. You do it with a spirit of excellence. You'll have more work. You'll have more opportunities. You'll have more doors open. If you'll just, you can distinguish yourself above everybody else that's cutting grass if you'll do it with an excellent spirit. They were 15, 17 years old. They were making $800 a weekend because they did things with a spirit of excellence. That's what excellence does. For your good, we... uh we have a voice at the foster. I've, I've shared this before, and, and I just love, we have an opportunity. We are, we are on, Clover Hill is representing, you're being represented on boards and focus groups that are bringing change and transformation to the foster care community. We're, 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 we have a seat at the table of influence, and that just didn't happen. It's been six years where we went to DSS and said, how can we serve you? And they said, we don't know. Like, we've had people come and say that to us before, but they've blown in, blown up, and blown out. And it's caused more trouble than it has good. And so they were kind of leery. They were hopeful, but leery. They were excited, but they were, I don't know if this is going to work. And we saw a little room where, where they were meeting, where foster kids would meet with their biological parents. And it was sterile, and it was cold, and it was not conducive to that kind of meeting. And so we said, well, let us just transform this room for you. And so we got rid of that 
the desk and the furniture, and, and we put couches and beanbags in there, and, and, and we, got, we got rid of the stuff on the walls, and, and we painted a mural. I hope I said that right. Did a painting where, is that right? Mural, a painting where it looked good, and, and we brought in shelves where there could be puzzles and where there could be uh, uh, games and, and coloring books. So if a parent came into a kid, they weren't sitting across the table from them, but they could sit on a nice rug and do a puzzle together and color some books together or, or connect together. And, and social services got so excited about that room. Well, can you do a Christmas party for us? Sure, we'd love to. And we didn't give them stofers heated up in the microwave. We give them a catered meal. And we had people behind them. Many of you were there serving them and loving on them and encouraging them. A good meal. We had the atmosphere looking right. We blessed them with all kind of gifts. Hey, can you do something else? Sure. And we just started doing all these things. And we did it with excellence, with a, with a, with a desire to honor God, but to bless others. And God has just elevated and God has promoted and God has, has done something. That's what an excellent spirit will do for you. If you don't care about being promoted, settle for mediocrity. If you don't care about having a voice, then don't do things with excellence. But if you want to influence, if you want to make a difference, if you want your life to count, develop a spirit of excellence. I grew up in a church that wasn't excellent. And and they would tune their guitars two minutes before service. Burn, burn. You ever seen somebody do that? Turning the knobs. Burn. Two minutes before service start. And then when service started, they'd ask if anybody wanted to sing, just come on up on stage. We got a mic for you. They couldn't sing their way out of a bucket, man. And they were up on stage leading us. It was like one more. It was like, what's that song we said? I'll fly away. I was like, we need to fly away right now. We need to get out of here. And, 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 the, and the preacher would be up there thumbing through his Bible trying to figure out what he was going to say that morning. And you know how they describe church? That little group of people said, man, it's just spirit-led. We don't have a plan. We just let the Spirit of God move us. Well, he's moving everybody that matters right out your church because you have no desire to do anything right. They, they would say, well, it's just spontaneous. That's what God lies. It's just so simple. And I... I, I I would say, no, it's crappy, and I don't want to bring my friends here. There's no spirit of excellence. One of our values at Clover Hill is we're going we're gonna to do everything with excellence, not perfection, but excellence, because God is deserving of our very best. If you're going to sing on our worship team, you got to be able to sing. you got to be able to carry a note. If you're going to play, there's an expectation that you're not going to show up on Sunday morning and just start playing, that you're going to work on your craft throughout the week, that these songs are going to be getting in your spirit throughout the week, that you're going to be praying, because we don't want just a bunch of talented people. We want anointed people. We want people that can lead us into the presence of God that don't show up on Sunday just hoping something will happen, but prepared throughout the week, desiring and anticipating and expecting something to happen. It's a spirit of excellence. Listen, I didn't prepare this message last night, nor do I prepare any message Saturday night. I've been working on this thing for months, depositing in my spirit, looking up scripture, praying, thinking about it. I know I don't hit a home run every week, but it's not because of a lack of preparation or prayer or study. You are my audience and I want to help you, but God is my Lord and I want to please him. I want to do everything with a spirit of excellence, excellence. It matters. He distinguished himself with a spirit of excellence. We don't let you check in your kids 15 minutes after service to kids' church. I think that's too gracious. I, I, 
I wouldn't do it if I was in charge. I am in charge. I still would. I don't know if I'd do it. <laughs> you know why? You say, well, that's mean. No, it's excellent. We got 75 minutes with your kid. We, we need, and we're not babysitting them. We're, we're reiterating the values that you're trying to sow in them. We're teaching them the word of God. You get a kid 15 minutes late, they're into their lesson. They're breaking out into their small group, and here comes Johnny again, 15 minutes late. What happens? Every kid in the place looks up. Hey, Johnny, what's going on? You ever try to get six five-year-olds back on track? It's not mean. It's excellent. It's saying, hey, we don't want that. We've, we value your kid. They're more important to us than we're not just, ba- we value our leader and we expect our leaders, our small group leaders to come prepared. They're not flipping through their lesson the day before, the, the day of. They've prayed up. They're prompt. They're ready to go. There's an expectation. It's a spirit of excellence. God honors that. God rewards that. God, God multiplies that. God promotes that. He, he, he helps that. If it's worth doing, do it right. Here's what they said about Jesus. We're astonished beyond measure. He has done everything well. Look, you say this isn't very spiritual. It's very spiritual. It's very spiritual. God wants to give you a voice. God wants you to give you a place of influence, a position where, where, where your opinion matters. Well, how do I get that? Develop a spirit of excellence. Do everything as unto the Lord. Do your work with excellence. Go the extra mile. Students, do your studies with excellence. Don't come in there unprepared, half-baked. Don't settle for mediocrity. Don't, don't, no, 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 do it right. Do honest work. Do good work. Take time. Take pride. Do, do your job. Do your job with excellence. Live in your neighborhood with excellence. Cut your grass. Look, don't let your grass up to your neck and say you go to Clover Hill. That is a bad testimony. You say, no, some of you cut your grass halfway and then you leave your lawnmower hidden in it the rest of the week. Stop it. It's not excellent. It's not a, wash your house. Some of you got mold all over your side and get it off in Jesus' name. It's a bad testimony. If you can't afford some Clorox, we'll get you some. Get a brush. Get a hose. It doesn't take multi. Just get out there and do stuff with excellence. This isn't in the Bible, but this is my pet peeve. Clean out your car in Jesus' name. You don't need a coffee cup in every cup holder. You don't have to do that. We're molds growing out. Then French fries are 18 years old. You're never going to eat them. Vacuum them. It's a spirit of excellence. It bleeds over into every area of your life. Amen, pastor. You're, 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 you're preaching good this morning. A spirit of excellence. If you're going to do it, do it well. Do it. Do it well. Be excellent in your ministry. Be excellent in your appearance. I, I said it. Pull your britches up. Straighten your hat out. Come on, man. We represent the king. Let's do this right. Let's be excellent in everything we do. Daniel had gifting. Daniel had potential. Daniel had possibility. But more than anything, Daniel distinguished himself with a spirit of excellence. Here's what happens. Because Daniel's great ability, because he operated in a spirit of excellence, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. So now I've taken you from the 120, I've made you the three, and now I want you to be the top of the three. You do things so well. You do things with such detail. You do things with such intention. 
I'm going to make you second to no one but me. I'm going to elevate you over the whole empire. So the governors and satraps, the mayors, began searching for some fault in Daniel in the way Daniel was handling government affairs. We can't knock his work ethic. He outworks us all. Let's find something. Let's find where he cheated in the book somewhere. Let's find where he said he was giving somebody some, some grain, but he kept some for himself. Let's find somewhere where he made, where he made a poor judgment, where he lacked character, where, where he failed in his integrity, where, where he cheated, where he compromised, where, where he gave in the temptation. We can't, his, his excellence is beyond, we can't, we can't deal with that. Let's go after his character. So that's what they did, but they couldn't find anything. They couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. And if you're like me, you could respond to this two ways. You could be discouraged. Well, man, if you look back at my past, you're going to find something to criticize or condemn. And I, 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 so I'll just stop right now. I'll just quit. And you know what that is? That's the voice of the enemy. That, that's the voice of condemnation that wants to keep you from your full potential. You can be discouraged or you can be encouraged. I haven't always done that, but from this day forward, I want to do that. I want to walk in a way where people can look back at my character and find that I'm always faithful, that I'm always responsible, and that I'm completely trustworthy. That I tell the truth, that I don't, that I don't lie, that I, that I get, listen to me about character. If you, if you want if you want promotion, if you want, if you want influence, if you want your voice to matter, develop an ec- excellent spirit. But also desire and live out impeccable character. Character matters. And, and you know what people are telling us today? If you want to get ahead, then pay off some college to get your kids into school. Or lie on your resume to boost what you've really accomplished. Our coaches who are paying kids to come to their school so it can make their program better. The world is trying to conform you into a way how they get ahead. But God says, I don't want you to be conformed to that way. I want you to do it my way. And my way is an excellent spirit. My way is an impeccable character. My way is not cheating. My way is not cutting corners. My, my way is not going above. My, my way is doing the right thing. Character matters. Character is who you are when no one's looking. You cannot, listen, you cannot fulfill your destiny if your character cannot sustain it. I have a, I love trees. I love planting trees. And uh, I love Bradford pears. At least I used to. And a Bradford pear is, uh, if you know about it, it's a beautiful tree in the spring. White flowers are beautiful. I mean, it's my favorite tree in the whole world. And they've got, in the fall and in the summer, they've got these lush green leaves. They don't sell Bradford pears at nurseries anymore. Because they found that their root systems are too shallow. They don't go deep enough. So you get a Bradford pear and its life expectancy is very short. A Bradford pear will look pretty for a season. But if a strong wind comes or too much rain or a drought, the root system cannot contain. It cannot, it, it can't, it can't be built. The tree can't be built on the system that it has in place. And so they've quit, they've quit doing it. That's like character. God's, if you're, you don't want to be short-lived. You, want to, you don't want to be a, a one and done. You don't, you, don't want to, you don't want to be a one-hit wonder. You want your life. Legacy, character is about legacy. And character is about what's more important on the inside than what's on the outside. 
You can be charismatic, charismatic. You can, you can look like you're bearing a lot of fruit. You can, you can be all polished on the outside. But I'm telling you, if your roots don't go deep, if your character doesn't go deep, it will not be able to sustain the fruit and the destiny and the purpose that God has for your life. You gotta be more concerned about the inside than you do the outside. You gotta be more concerned about the backstage than you do the front stage. Right now, we focus all on the front stage. What do people look like? How do they sound? How do they act? What are, what are they accomplishing? And I'm not saying that doesn't matter, but what really matters is what happened, what's happening behind the scenes. What's happening backstage? Are you going deeper with God? Are you hungry for the things of the Spirit? Are you living with integrity and morality? And you can hide and you can, you can, you can keep your sin to yourself for a long time. But ultimately, if your character does not run, grow, does not go deep, the winds are going to blow. Temptation's going to come. Difficult is going to rise, and that tree's not going to stand. Character matters. It matters. In a culture where they're saying, look, your good looks and your net worth might get you married, but your character will keep you married. Your college degree will open doors for you, but your character will determine what happens once you pass through those doors. Your God-given reproductive system may enable you to produce children, but your character will determine the father, the mother that you are to them. Your accomplishments, your acquisitions, your ability will earn you notoriety, but your character will leave a legacy. And listen, circumstances, situations don't create character. They reveal character. That's why God says when you go through the fire, you'll come out as purged because you got strong character. See, weak character, when challenges come, when difficulties come, they fall off the map. They, get, they drift away. They get easily offended. They, they get off course. They turn their back on God. But those whose roots go deep, who know, who know that God's for them and not against them, who, who's come into a personal relationship with God and are loving God and receiving from God and giving to God, there's a connection there. The roots go deep, so, so, so circumstances don't create it. They reveal what's already in their hearts. Character. Character matters. That, that's why Daniel elevated himself, because he had impeccable character. That's why Billy Graham left a legacy. Billy Graham, 90 years old, he, he, he just lived. And again, for some of us, it could be discouraging because I've not lived like that. And I don't want to discourage you today. I want to encourage you today that from this day forward, there can be some change and transformation in your life. They tried to hunt up stuff about Billy Graham all the time, and they couldn't because he was faithful, and he was responsible, and he was trustworthy. That's what I want him to say about us. I love Mother Teresa, and I had an opportunity. I went over to Calcutta when I was a teenager and had an opportunity to meet her, and so blown away. by just, She's four foot nothing. She weighs about 90 pounds, and she wears a nun suit, but she's an amazing woman. She went in 1994, she got asked to speak at the National Prayer Breakfast in D.C. And she went to this event where there were 3,000 leaders there, senators, congressmen, Supreme Court judges, the president, the vice president, all kind of high influential people. And it was right around the time where partial birth abortion had just passed. And, and, and it was kind of like in our culture today where there was great debate about abortion and what was going on. And they invited her to speak and say something, and she stood up, and, and this is what she said. The, she had anything she could have said. She said, the greatest destroyer of peace today is abortion. Because Jesus said, if you receive a little child, you receive me. Every abortion is the denial of receiving Jesus. If we accept that a mother can kill her own child, how can we tell other people not to kill one another? 
Any country that accepts abortion is not teaching its people to love one another, but to use violence to get what they want. The greatest destroyer of love and peace is abortion. And then she ended her talk with, if you know any unwanted or unloved kids, give them to me and I'll find a home for them. And she left to a six-minute standing ovation. Listen, you could throw rocks at her theology, but you can't throw rocks at her character. She lived what she believed. She, she took in the, the least likely. She loved the most unlovable. She gave, she gave dignity to those who were breathing their last breath. Because of what she was and who she was, it, her best attribute was not her personality, her presence, her, her popularity. What she, it, her best attribute was her character for 90 years. And that's the thing about character. Character is not made in a day. It's made daily. It's decision day after day. You don't, you don't just wake up and have character. You, character is developed day after day, doing the right thing, saying the right thing, saying no to the wrong thing, going in the right direction, turning this off, turning this on, listening to this, stop listening to this. Character is not developed in a day. It's developed daily. You'll have Dozens of opportunities to either get better at character or take from your character with the decisions that will lay before you, with temptations to cop out or dig out of a hard situation, to bend the truth or stand under the weight of it, to cheat on an exam or pay the price to study, to honor your word or back out of your promise. Here's, here's what the Bible says. The integrity of the upright guides them. It keeps them in the, in the right lanes. But the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. The man of integrity walks securely. He doesn't have to look over his shoulder. He doesn't have to wonder about people dragging up stuff. He's, he's secure. He's honest. When he's messed up, he's made things right. But he who takes crooked paths will be found out. Listen to me. I'm not trying to scare you. But if there are flaws in your character today and you are living in sin, you're going to be found out. This is for somebody. I'm encouraging you. Face the music. Get it right now. It'll be better than waiting. If there, you, the man of integrity, you want to walk securely. Even if it means you've got to admit some faults and you've got to admit some failures and you've got to admit some character deficiencies. It'll get you back on the right path. But if you continue to take crooked paths, you will be found out. And it'll be harder later than it is now. A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. How did Jesus say it? What shall it profit a man if he gained the whole world? He's got everything, but he loses his soul. Look at a righteous man who walks in his integrity. How blessed are his sons after him. What you're doing today is not just affecting you. It's affecting your kids tomorrow. I got a grandfather that was in ministry for 50 years, and he had impeccable character. He wasn't a great preacher, but he had impeccable character. He wasn't excellent in everything, but he had impeccable character. And when I started in ministry, I was 17, 18 years old, and I was trying to, to learn how to be a preacher, and I needed some places to preach. And so he gave me a list of his friends' names. And all I had to do was call them and say, hey, this is Stan Grant. I'm the grandson of Curtis Grant. And they opened up the door for me. They said, oh, come. Come on a Sunday night. Come on a Wednesday night. Many of them even said, come on a Sunday morning. It was, I didn't get the opportunity based on me. I got it based on a man who for 50 years had lived a life of integrity. And his sons and his grandsons are, are still experienced. Even his great-grandsons are still experiencing his blessing. 
his favor, living in his legacy. Look at this. Have you considered my servant Job? God and Satan are talking, having a conversation. And, 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 and God says, look down there, Job. I want you to put your name in this, in this slot. Have you considered your servant Seth? Have you considered your servant Stan? Have you considered your so- servant Dave? Have you considered your, considered your servant your name? If God was to ask Satan, have you considered you? What would he say? Here's what he said about Job. He's blameless and he's upright. A man who fears God and shuns evil. He does the right thing. He avoids evil. He runs from temptation. He looks on things that that are pure and right and lovely and of good report. He fears God. He respects God. He's not perfect. I'm sure Job messed up. But he had a heart for God. He had a desire for God. Have you considered my servant your name? What would be said? See, God wants to elevate you. God wants to promote you. God wants to give you a voice. God wants to get you around the table of influence. For your good. It's going to take an excellent spirit. It's going to to take details matter, doing things right. Look, some of you think like slack. It's funny. It's funny when you're eight. It's not funny when you're 38. It's not. There's got to be a time where you grow up and say, I'm going to do this right. If it's setting up chairs, if it's cutting, whatever, I'm going to do it right. Because I'm not doing it for me, I'm doing it for God. God wants it, an excellent spirit, an impeccable character. And, and then here's what happens. This is what happens. Then these men said, our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. We can't knock his work ethic. We can't, we can't get anything on his character so let's set something up where he'll have to he'll have to give into his convictions because we've seen Daniel over the last 80 years and we know he's not going to quit following his God I don't care what you do to Daniel he's not bowing he's not singing he's not praying to anybody else but Jehovah God so let's change the law that's how we'll get him and so they go to Darius and say Darius everybody needs to pray to you for a month if anybody prays to any person or anything, it all needs to be directed to you. And Darius said, okay, sounds like a good idea. But Darius, let's just don't make it in pencil. Let's put this thing in ink. And so he puts his signet ring on it, stamps it, no changing. Like it doesn't matter who you are. If you don't, if you don't pray to him, you're getting thrown in the lion's den. No exceptions. No bending the rules. No matter who you are, you're getting thrown in the lion's den. Daniel finds out about it. As his custom was, he goes to his house, he gets on his knees, he throws up in the windows of his room, and he lifts his voice to God. And he says, Jehovah God, I need you. Jehovah God, I want you. They came and found him praying, not to Darius, but to the one true God. And Darius didn't want to do it. Darius loved Daniel. He'd seen so much potential in Daniel. Trusted him with his entire kingdom. But because he put his signet ring on it, he had no choice. So un, really unwillingly and, and regretfully, he threw Daniel into the lion's den. They tell me as I studied that, that they, the lion's den was a big pit and there was a wall in the middle of it. And they let the, the lions go hungry for a season and then they'd throw meat they'd, or they'd throw a person or whatever they were trying to do. And it would create, the lions were, they were, they were, their minds began to think like this, that whatever was thrown there, and then they'd lift the wall up, and they knew food was there, and it wasn't like, let's go sniff it, and it was like, let's jump on it and devour it. 
So they were programmed to do that. And so Daniel was thrown in the lion's den, the, the rattling, the cages, the lions were up. They were ready. They were, they were prounced. They were ready to get their dinner, get their food. And they lifted the wall. And the lion, it was like the wall was lifted, but the wall was still there. It was like my food was there and I'm starving, but it's not appealing to me. I haven't eaten in two weeks, but I don't even want to lick this. I don't even want to smell this. I don't even want to be around this. And Daniel sat there throughout the night and no scratch, no harm, no blood, no nothing. Darius comes running up the next morning. Daniel, did you make it? Did your God deliver you? King, not a scratch. King, they didn't even breathe on me hard. In fact, I'm just down here petting the kittens. It's loving life. We're like buddies. Darius, thank you, God. Daniel, that's amazing. I'm so grateful for your God. Here, here's what God wants to do. He wants to promote you. He wants to bless you. He wants to elevate you. He wants to get you at a place around his table for your good. But ultimately, for his glory. Here's what Darius said. The, I issue a decree that in every part of the kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. You were praying to me. You were praying to an unknown God. But because of an excellent spirit, because of impeccable character, because of unwavering conviction, because of the power of God, you're going to worship God. You're going to serve Daniel's God. People must fear and reverence God, the God of Daniel. For he is the living God. And he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lion. Culture's greatest need is influencers. Followers of Christ that will quit griping about the culture and change the culture. That will do everything with a spirit of excellence. That will walk in godly character. That will live out biblical convictions. That will say we're not bowing. We're not surrendering. We're not worshiping another God. I have decided to follow Jesus. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Look, you'll benefit from that kind of lifestyle. It'll be for your good. Man will recognize a spirit of excellence. God will honor godly character. And the Holy Spirit will reward unwavering convictions. These characteristics will elevate you and position you for promotion to get a seat at the table. But ultimately, it's not just for your good. It's for God's glory that others might see God in you. That they might declare your God is the living God. He's the God who endures forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed. His rule will never end. He rescues. He saves. He elevates. He promotes. He blesses. And compared to your God, there is no other. Excellent spirit. Excellent spirit. Excellent spirit. Do everything is unto the Lord impeccable character impeccable character and unwavering conviction you won't be changed by the culture but you'll change the culture amen everybody amen stand with me to your feet will you and ask this question Holy Spirit what are you saying to me